0: Did you know? The National Restaurant Association produces and hosts several webinars each month to serve and grow the industry. Topics ranging from hiring and workforce, food safety, and the most urgent and relevant policy topics during this turbulent time for restaurants. All previous webinars are also available for on-demand viewing. To learn more about upcoming and recorded webinars, please visit restaurant.org slash events slash learning. That's restaurant.org slash events slash learning. Hello, everyone. Thanks again for joining us this week on Order Up, the podcast from the National Restaurant Association. I'm your host, Carly McBride. As always, don't forget to subscribe to Order Up on your favorite podcast platform so you don't miss an episode. For this week, I'm speaking with Brennan Ducket, Director of Technology and Innovation Policy for the National Restaurant Association. Brennan joins us to discuss the American Data Privacy and Protection Act, how it would impact consumers and what it means for restaurants. He'll cover all the details of what is beneficial and harmful to both consumers and the business environment. So Brennan, I know there's a lot to discuss today, so thanks for taking some time with us. So let's dive in. To start us off, can you take a quick moment and introduce yourself to our audience?
1: Yeah, thanks, Carly. Uh, Really, really happy to be uh, making my my first appearance on the podcast. Um, So as you mentioned, I'm uh, the Director of Technology and Innovation Policy here at the association. So some of the issues that I cover uh, include data privacy, which of course we're talking about today. But other key issues include any and all things related to payments, as well as patent reform and ADA reform, and then a myriad of of other issues, uh, you know, third party delivery platforms and music licensing. So it's a nice, uh, eclectic portfolio that I enjoy. And I, and I think um, the you know other key part of my background is I, I worked at another trade association before coming here, the Retail Industry Leaders Association, where I worked on all sorts of government affairs issues, but, but data privacy, both at the federal and the state level, was something that I was able to help lead those efforts there too. So Came to the association in June of last year. So uh, it's been just over a year and it's been a wonderful experience so far.
0: Fantastic. We're excited to have you and your expertise is certainly, it fits right in here. Can you tell us in general about the American Data Privacy and Protection Act? What
1: does it mean? Yeah, so I think it's important for the listeners to know that first and foremost, it was it was introduced this year in June in the House Energy and Commerce Committee, And really, I think the most important thing is that it's the first comprehensive federal data privacy bill that has had both bipartisan, so both Republican and Democrat support, as well as bicameral support with leaders on the House Energy and Commerce Committee signing on to the bill and then enjoying some support from the Senate Commerce Committee as well, uh, specifically Senator Wicker. So it really marks the first time that a bill was introduced to have sort of all of those notches you know, in the, in the age of, you know, post Cambridge Analytica, there's been, you know, upwards of 15 federal bills introduced over the last few years since then. But this is the first one that's kind of really had all of those key support pieces in place for it to make some serious progress.
0: So what rights would consumers have under the American Data Privacy and Protection Act, also known as the ADPPA?
1: Yeah, so I think the ADPPA does two key things. So it provides a certain number of rights to consumers. So all of those are outlined in section 203 of the bill. And essentially they provide consumers the right to access the covered data that is collected, processed or transferred by a covered entity or a service provider. You're allowed to correct that data that a business has on you. You're allowed to request that your personal data gets deleted by the company that holds it, and then you're also allowed to um, ask them to export it in a sort of a readable format for the consumer to do with it what they please. And so those are sort of four of the key ones. Then I think the other two worth mentioning, outlined in Section 204 of the bill, is it uh, provides consumers with the right to opt out of data transfers to third parties. So essentially, you know, you asking uh, a business on on their website to say, "Hey, I, I no longer." you know, approve of you sharing, you know, my personal information with downstream sort of service providers. And then the last piece is the right to opt out of targeted advertising, which again, you know, those, I think uh, it's the idea is to get at the, the creepiness factor, right. That we all sort of see every day on social media, You, you feel like you're talking about something to someone and all of a sudden it ends up on your phone. And while, you know, phones aren't listening to you, there's certainly uh, your online behavior is something that is monitored. And that's why those targeted ads come up. So that last right is also an important one to keep in mind, too.
0: Yep, that has happened to me many times. (laughs) Yeah. So speaking at the state level, I understand that several states have enacted their own data privacy laws. So does this federal law override those state laws?
1: Can I actually go back. So the other piece that I wanted to cover. So with question three, with the rights that the consumers have, I, I outlined those. And so I think the other piece to remember is that sort of the turn here is that the businesses that are covered by this bill are obligated to, to fulfill those consumer rights requests that they make. And so they're given like essentially 45 days to verify the request, making sure it's coming from Carly McBride truly, and, and then responding appropriately to provide them with whatever data That they wanted. Got it.
0: Okay. So I know restaurants have relationships with vendors and I'm wondering if a vendor or business partner violates this law, what restaurants or how would restaurants be held accountable or are they at all for these actions of others essentially?
1: Yeah. So this piece is outlined in section 302 of the bill that has to do with service providers and third party obligations that those businesses have to sort of the covered entities, which in in many cases will be the restaurant. You know, fortunately, the association was able to be involved with some very high-level negotiations with staff to fix this section, to essentially better protect restaurants and other sort of consumer-facing businesses from liabilities. So we were able to sort of negotiate language that would essentially put more of the onus on those downstream business partners to make sure that, you know, once we sort of say, hey, you know, service provider A, you know, consumer X asked us to to modify their data to say this. You know, once we sort of give that direction downstream, you know, essentially the bill now requires those service providers and third parties to facilitate that request, right? To make it happen and to help, you know, the first parties, the restaurants with providing the data that they have. Again, in order to facilitate even the simplest transaction, there's all sorts of payment processors, there's the banks, there's all sorts of sort of parties involved with even the simplest of transactions. So really, we just, our goal was to make sure that the first party receiving the data, AKA the restaurant was not the only one held liable, especially when, you know, a downstream business partner was the one that was truly in violation of the law.
0: I understand that several states have enacted their own data privacy laws. So does this federal law override those or how does that work?
1: So that's a great question. You know, and I think it's one of the most key components of this whole debate, right? So there are now uh, five states across the country that have their own sort of comprehensive data privacy laws. California, obviously, was the first one. And that really stands out a little bit more as its own model compared to Virginia, Colorado, Utah, and Connecticut that adopted much more similar models that are based a little bit more off of the GDPR, uh, the European GDPR sort of privacy law that is basically a lot clearer for both consumers and businesses in terms of their rights and their respective obligations. And so the problem with the sort of federal preemption of the ADPPA Is that while it is there and i think some folks had the intent to again create one uniform standard federal law for all businesses to follow in all states this preemption language what it does is it carves out a number of state laws that sort of touch upon the data privacy area which is really problematic because then you don't really know what law is ultimately the one that needs to be followed it carves out consumer protection laws it carves out laws that govern employee data as well as breach notification requirements. It specifically carves out Illinois' biometric information privacy law. And it also explicitly provides enforcement power to the California Privacy Protection Agency to enforce both its own state law, so the California law is already in place, as well as the federal law. So you know, all that's to say that there's a lot of exemptions or sort of carve-outs to the preemption piece. And that's really problematic, especially when businesses start getting sued and courts are making the decision as to what law applies when. Thank
0: you. Let's talk about violations again. So how would violations be addressed? Would a government agency enforce forthcoming rules?
1: Yeah. So the enforcement piece is quite robust in this ADPPA as well, more than any other state, certainly. And so- Yeah, you kind of have a a top-down approach, right? So the first enforcement agency at the federal level would be, of course, the Federal Trade Commission. They're the ones that have always kind of played in this space. You know, their Section 5 unfair and deceptive trade practices. That kind of all falls into sort of enforcement authority that they'd have over this particular issue. Uh, The next tier down is uh, state attorneys general offices where you could go to your state AG office to file a lawsuit against a business that's in potential violation of the law. And then the most problematic piece from our perspective is the bill includes a private right of action. And essentially, that means that any consumer can essentially sue a business for a violation that may or may not have actually occurred you know we've seen what i um deem like sort of the a practice of trolling trolling lawsuits in other areas related to patents and to ADA sort of you know those drive by lawsuits that restaurants and other consumer facing businesses have faced in the past and you know we essentially see this private right of action as a window for trial lawyers you know to essentially create class action lawsuits sue restaurants and you know, while while the big restaurants sometimes or, or most of the time are, are are just able to settle, you know, that's that's still certainly um, a lot of money, you know, out of your bottom line. And when it comes to small businesses, you know, these kinds of lawsuits could, could absolutely put them, you know, just out of business. So for us, the enforcement by an individual, the private right of action is really one of the most problematic pieces in addition to the preemption piece that we just kind of spoke about earlier.
0: Great. Thanks for clarifying that. The cost to comply with any regulations that would come out of this bill are going to be expensive, especially for small businesses like restaurants. Does this legislation acknowledge that burden and provide any exceptions for small restaurants who simply just don't have the resources that some of the larger chains do?
1: So it does. And that has this piece, it's section 209 of the bill that is the small business exemption. That's certainly been a debated sort of area within the bill throughout its existence over the past few months. And so essentially, to meet that small business exemption, a company would have to demonstrate that over the last three years, it's never exceeded an annual gross revenue of $41 million. And the other sort of piece is that it did not annually collect or process the covered data of more than 200,000 individuals. And so I want to just kind of break down that second piece for a second touching 200,000 individuals I think before sort of certainly the internet sounds like a pretty big number but when you know you're a restaurant that has just even a, a couple locations where you know you have an online presence where you have your your menu your map of where your store is located certainly a delivery to homes or businesses options there's a ton of individual devices that access your restaurant website right so that's some of the sort of individual data touch points that exist. And then, of course, there's restaurants that have physical foot traffic, I call it, where, you know, people come in, they have transactions, they order their food, oftentimes through QR codes these days, which certainly creates new data streams. And so when you combine sort of the online traffic with the physical foot traffic, that 200,000 individual threshold is often met quite quickly And I think more often than lawmakers tend to realize. And so that's kind of been a piece that we've made sure to clearly demonstrate when we're talking to folks on the Hill, trying to make sure that, you know, businesses that, again, don't have the resources, as you mentioned, to comply with some of these pretty robust requirements that they be exempted.
0: Great. So let's talk about loyalty programs. I know a very popular business concept with restaurants is loyalty programs, and there's obviously electronic data that is associated with that. So, would those programs be targeted in this bill?
1: That's another great question. So, loyalty programs are explicitly addressed within the bill in, in Section 104. And when the bill first came out a couple of months ago, It was a very strange sort of provision, the way that they laid it out and sort of the framing of the whole issue was much different than all the states and the way that the five state laws have governed this particular issue. And so the National Restaurant Association, along with other members of, uh, we work with a coalition called the Main Street Privacy Coalition that are comprised of a lot of consumer-facing trade organizations. You know, we all were very united in pushing for language that reflected the loyalty program provisions found in all the states not named California, because they're essentially identical. And, you know, businesses already know what that construction looks like and what it means for them. And so we push for that really hard. And fortunately, we're once again able to get into the room with key Hill staff to negotiate this particular piece within the bill. And finally, we were able to reach some consensus. And yes, yeah, so, so I can happily report that we feel confident that the language as it is now does sufficiently protect loyalty programs, which is a small win in this larger conversation.
0: Great. So the National Restaurant Association, can you specifically tell us where does the association stand on this bill?
1: Yep. So, you know, I I mentioned earlier we were able to kind of get some changes that we wanted to see to this bill in Section 104, the loyalty program piece, and then Section 302, the service provider and third party obligations. So that was, you know, a win, and we are appreciative of Congress's willingness to meet in the middle there and hear out our concerns. You know, but that said, you know, we can officially say, you know, given that the bill has now passed out of the House Energy and Commerce Committee, and is, is ready to be queued up for a vote in the House floor, the National Restaurant Association does not support the bill in its current form. And there's a few reasons for that. You know, the key two, I think, that we've kind of talked about already are, you know, sort of the preemption or lack thereof, right? And it, you know, not eliminating the patchwork of state laws that, that we want to see a federal bill do. And then, of course, the private right of action piece, you know, the enforcement by individuals, just something that our industry has seen in other instances, and there's just no real great outcome, certainly for for small businesses when it comes to that. And then, you know, I think there are other concerns that are outstanding. There's first party advertising provisions that are a little bit troublesome still. You know, the large data holder definition is a specific piece that qualifies certain covered entities to have more responsibilities if you're a certain size and touch a certain amount of data. And so I think that at this point, Again, the National Restaurant Association is opposed to the bill, and what will be really interesting to see is, you know, over the August recess, whether Speaker Pelosi from California can work with her really large California delegation to figure out whether and how the state of California is individually carved out from this bill. That's the biggest question mark, I think, at this point as to whether the bill makes it to the floor for a vote and then whether it ultimately can pass we kind of think that the bill would quickly lose its bipartisan support, specifically, obviously, from Republicans if California is somehow just completely you sort of eliminated from the bill. So a couple of question marks still. But we at this point, again, I will reiterate, are opposed to the bill in its current form.
0: Okay. So how would federal legislation provide a greater level of data privacy for restaurants?
1: Yeah, so I I think there's a a couple pieces here to keep in mind. First, on the consumer side, we truly believe that these rights that are enumerated within the bill empowers consumers. Previously, you know, it's really been a matter of businesses, especially you think of larger social media companies that have had like a fifty-page privacy policy that no one wants to read, and it's really hard to understand. And all I have to do is provide you sort of notice with privacy policy changes. And so What this bill would do, I think, from the consumer side is really good. It really empowers consumers. It gives them true control over their data for the first time. That said, obviously, um, some businesses with resources are going to be able to comply with the requirements that are laid out within the bill, especially those that have had any kind of locations in California, certainly. Certainly, any international companies that have comply with the European General Data Protection regulation that I spoke of earlier, some of those companies have the resources and infrastructure in place, right? But there's 45 states out there that don't have laws and a ton of businesses that haven't had to comply with this rigorous level of of a law. And so I really think that Congress has to make sure to weigh those two balances really well. And restaurants need to start being really aware of their data streams, where and how they collect consumer data from people, and then what they do with it after they collect it, and who they send it to, and and how they utilize and store that data. So, you know, there's a lot, I think, for restaurants to start thinking about, especially whether or not this bill passes this year. I think next year we'll continue to see the trend of 30-plus states introducing similar legislation. So what I would say is if you live in a state that doesn't have a data privacy law right now, in a couple of years' time, that landscape can very much change.
0: Okay. So as we kind of wrap things up here, I am big on actionability. I'm all about a call to action for our listeners. So how can our members and listeners learn more about the bill, and what can they do to help support the association's efforts on this topic?
1: I think in terms of continuing education, as developments unfold, we, of course, provide updates within the front burner newsletter. We have certain resources. You know, we put a couple of the letters that we wrote to Congress on on the legislation on our website. We hosted a webinar a few months earlier this year around sort of the state data privacy landscape before the ADPPA was introduced. And we'll probably plan to host another one once there's a little more certainty around the destiny of the ADPPA within this Congress. And then in terms of the actionability, I think the most important thing that the listener can do today is call your congressman, email your congressman, your senators, and tell them that you want a federal data privacy law that truly provides a federal preemption where, you know, as a business, we don't want to comply with different state laws, right? That have different obligations. And it's really hard when a consumer from Utah is visiting a restaurant in Colorado, what law are you abiding by? And so I think that restaurants and consumers really just want clarity and getting that clarity is through one federal uniform standard. And then I think the other piece, again, that we sort of already discussed is to have the enforcement authority allocated solely to the appropriate regulatory agencies, those being the Federal Trade Commission and the state attorneys general offices. So, yeah, I think that voicing sort of those frustrations of, you know, again, there was intent here, I think, to try to make a federal law that worked for everybody. But so far, Congress is missing a couple key pieces that would make this a truly workable law for for both consumers and businesses alike.
0: Brennan, this has been super informative. So as we kind of close the conversation circle here, what else do you want our listeners to know about this bill? Any final thoughts?
1: I think the key takeaway is when I put my consumer hat on, this bill is really great, or at least the idea behind it, right? It protects data in a way that has not been done and and really needs to be done, right? But, you know, again, there are just a few sort of key areas where Congress has fallen short and the National Restaurant Association will continue to advocate on behalf of the industry to make those fixes before the bill gets any kind of vote. And at the end of the day, we've we've talked about sort of all these scary things that the bill does. You know, If I look into my crystal ball, it seems very unlikely that this bill passes into law this Congress. There's still some dynamics at play in the Senate. And frankly, who even knows if it passes out of the House with some of the California dynamics we were talking about earlier. But certainly in the Senate, it faces an even more uphill battle. So I think it's mostly safe to say, you know, knock on wood, that we won't see the ADPPA pass in its current form into law this year. But that doesn't mean that the efforts and the negotiations and these ideas are over. So much more to come, I think, is the, is the bottom line.
0: Thank you. Thank you so much for your time, Brennan. This has, again, like I said, been really, really informative. And I'll make sure we put together some good robust show notes for our listeners to follow up on these action items. So thank you very much. Thank you.
1: Thanks so much, Carly. Appreciate it.
0: Thanks so much for listening to Order Up, the podcast from the National Restaurant Association. Follow us on your favorite podcast player and find out more at restaurant.org slash podcasts. Episode produced by Dante32.